What's up, everybody? Will Brinson here with the Pick 6 Podcast, Wednesday, May 17th edition. Joining me today is Pete Prisco of CBS Sports. This podcast runs a little bit long, so you won't hear me gabber on in the intro. We're going to get right to it. Um, Pete and I are going to cover the Seahawks. For whatever reason, we talked about the Seahawks, and it kind of got longer than it was supposed to. We also are going to cover two NFC South teams, both the Falcons and the Buccaneers. Pete has some very good thoughts on those teams. And then the schedule for the rest of the week, Thursday will be Larry Holder of the New Orleans Times-Picayune. Does the Duncan Holder show on the radio as well down in New Orleans. We'll talk about the Saints, obviously. And then Joe Person of the Charlotte Observer is going to join us for Friday's show to break down the Panthers and talk about their impending sale. So a loaded week to wrap up the NFC South. Oh, and then um, also tomorrow, uh, Sean Wagner-McGuff, a colleague of mine at CBS Sports who is a listener as well, so hopefully he'll hear this. And his piece on the best 25 players under 25 years old is coming out on, on Wednesday. And we're going to bring him on and thrash him for it because there's a certain player who didn't make the top 25 list and named Deshaun Watson. And so we're going to kill Sean for that. Go check out the piece. And then you can listen to the show on Wednesday or Thursday, excuse me, and figure that out. In the meantime, let's go straight to it. Let's talk to the man. He's been on vacation. He's looking resplendently tan. We haven't talked to him in a few weeks. Pete Prisco. What's up, man? I am tan, aren't I? I look really damn good, too, if I don't say so myself. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm surprised that you would say such a thing. You, you know uh, what's weird, Brinson? And you won't have to deal with this the way you are. But back in the day, I used to go to the beach and never have to put sunscreen on my head. Now i got to lather up the top of the chrome, you know? Yeah, I would assume you just pour it. I just assume you just squirt from the top down. That might be it, the only flood. place I put it on, too, by the way. You my, look, dermat- my dermatologist probably loves hearing that. Yeah, you looked a little, you looked red. Uh, how was, uh, you were on vacation in Aruba, right? No, the Bahamas. Bahamas, how was it? The weather wasn't great, believe it or not. As tan as I look, the weather wasn't oh, that great. We had that little, there was a little tropical depression out there or whatever, and it was cloudy one day. But you know what that does? That drags you to the casino and the bar. So, you know, you could do one way or the other, casino and bar. Did you win any money? No. Yeah. I didn't lose much though, but I didn't win. I, it was it was one of those times where you win a little, lose a little, win a little. Which is good. That's, That's the way fun. you want it. And, yeah. that, and then you drink. The only thing is, is in we went to Atlantis, and I don't know if you've ever been, but it's a beautiful place. Um, but you're like a prisoner of the resort sometimes, you know. And they, yeah. oh my God, they they overcharge for everything. My, but it's a great um, place. My wife and her uh, stepbrothers were there on a family vacation before we got married, and they were uh, they they got so inebriated that they were uh, kicked off a roulette table because they were trying to simultaneously bet on black and red. Oh my god! So they had no idea what they were doing. <laughs> they no By idea. the way, uh, I'll say this, and I'm going to sound like Pete the Ogre in this. This when I say this, it was uh, it was great this time when we went because none of the kids were out of school, so there were no kids running around. It was great. That, that makes it sound time. like an ogre. That makes it sound like a makes it sound like. You know, I mean, you want to have an adult time. You want to have fun. You don't want to deal with a bunch of kids. It's fine. All right, let's get to the football news, Pete. There's not a lot of it. We are recording this on Tuesday, May 16th. It is a dead period. May 15th, excuse me. You're listening to this on Wednesday. It's a dead period in the NFL, but there are there is a little bit of buzz surrounding some old dudes. Uh, Des Bryant, his colleague, his former colleague, Jason Witten went on to the Adam Schefter podcast and here's what he had to say. He said, I think Dez is certainly going to have some great opportunities. He's motivated and I think he's going to end up going to the Green Bay Packers. I think it's a great spot for him. Aaron Rodgers, he throws that back back shoulder throw so well and Dez has great chemistry with a good quarterback that can put the ball wherever he wants. 
you know, you have to sort of question the analysis there from a yeah, Monday Night Football standpoint. But he also added, I can tell you another team he could go to is Drew Brees and the Saints. It's a vertical passing attack. They need somebody who can stretch the field. And that X factor there, there is Des Bryant. I'm not certain he's going to the Packers. I just think it's a great fit. But he's going to partner with a good quarterback and someone he believes can contend, help him contend for a championship. Saints and Packers are kind of lead dogs, in my opinion. Buy or sell uh, Des Bryant going to the Saints or Packers. Well, I think the Packers could be in play, but I I'll, I know this for a fact. I've talked to people in that building. They like some of their younger receivers, so I, I'm not so sure that that's necessarily the case. Rodgers could handle them, though. Brees could handle them as well. I mean, you know, look, uh, Des Bryant's one of those guys who, you know, wants the football. When he doesn't get it, he's going to be angry about it. So you got to have a strong-willed uh, quarterback who can handle him. I, You know, Jason Witten, I, I think Jason Witten's going to be fantastic in the booth, yeah. and, and he's always been great to me when I've talked to him. He's been very analytical and, under, you know, great when in evaluating the game. But Jason has to realize that Des Bryant doesn't stretch the defense anymore. He has to know that as much as anybody. I know he might be his friend and all, but if you're going to be an analyst in this business, you call it like you see it. And like you see it is he doesn't stretch a defense. He never did. And, uh, you know, he's slower now than he was. He's So I, I don't, you know, buy that analysis at all. I th- still think Seattle could be in play on him and, and would make a lot of sense to me because they got a strong – willed quarterback or at least he will be now it's his team now and you know even when he was fighting with the defensive players it wasn't his team it is now so I think he could fit up there as well they could take a look at him too yeah and you know I mean you're right Des doesn't stretch the field the thing you need to look at with Des Bryant when you're when you're examining it is who needs some red zone help because and Witten did say that he said he, he can he can high point the ball as well as anyone in the National Football League. You can tell he's been zapped. He's strong. He can. I mean, he can he can beat corners with his strength and sure. stuff like that, and win those jump balls and all that, like you said. But but he ain't running away from anybody. Right, right, right. I mean, yeah, he's not going to be your deep threat. He's going to be your red zone threat or your chain mover. I mean, I, I think it's funny too because you talk about the the Saints as a possible landing spot. They they sort of need a tight end. <laughs> so I mean, maybe Des could be their their de facto uh, tight end. I think he would work. With the Packers, which when you look at those wide receivers, are you? I mean, you're obviously not talking about Devontae Adams. You're talking about like D'Angelo Yancey or Geronimo Allison. What young Allison? Guy? They, Allison, those guys, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and and they like those guys, and they think they have a chance. So uh, you never really want to get older and slower. And if you don't play one of those guys and you play Des Bryant because you signed him, you're getting older and slower. That's not a good thing. I mean, if you have speed elements elsewhere and you know i could see it or if you're seattle and you don't have a lot they don't what does seattle have at the wide receiver position they're in, they're in bad shape at the wide they, got, right. they have doug baldwin and i mean and, they lost and then tyler lockett it's doug baldwin that's it. yeah right i mean so that would make a lot of sense to me for him in seattle um again what do they want to do they you know what where what is that team evolving to i mean into what, what they drafted the runner in the first round uh, Penny, who's a good back, but he's still too, way too high for him. But what are they evolving to? Are they going to be? You can't run the ball and play good defense anymore. You're not going to do that. You're not playing great defense anymore. <laughs> Bottom line. I, I mean, I, th- I think this is worth talking about because I don't, I don't know what Seattle is. I do think, Pete, that the offense can be the same that it was you know, the last two years, which is confusing and inefficient with Russell Wilson running around a bunch and trying to escape pressure. And then you hope that Rashad Penny, who per pro football focuses metrics was the best uh, back best breaker of tackles in the backfield, (laughs) which he's going to have to be next year uh, in in college football last year. There's a chance his defense could be better than people think though, right? 
Well, let, let's talk about the offense first and foremost. Okay. You're talking about an offense that wasn't great to begin with, and now you take Jimmy Graham and Paul Richardson off the offense. And you add Brian Schottenheimer. Right. Uh, that's never. You know, that's not a good combination. No. The one-two punch to the gut of Russell Wilson, that's what that is. <laughs> I, I'm a big believer that they – and I've said this on this podcast. I've said it in other spots. They should play fast and let Russell Wilson play fast, play f- loose and fast. Uh, if you're going to take Penny and use him and you know make him a, a guy who can help open up the passing game and and be be a creative offense playing up tempo and let Russell Wilson go, uh, you know I'm telling you he's a much better quarterback when he plays fast and loose and and free and they do it in the fourth quarter and everybody goes oh look at how he is in the fourth quarter when he comes back because he's playing fast and loose and free and I think that's what they should become. They won't because I don't think Pete Carroll is going to do that, but that's what they should become. If it was my team right now. That defense has been picked apart. They, they, I mean, yeah, they still have Bobby Wagner. They still have KJ Wright. They're good at linebacker. You know, they, you look up front. There, Frank Clark can still play. They got some young players up front, but they got issues. And oh, yeah. when you have issues on defense, you have to be able to score on offense. And I'm not sure they're built to score. I would play fast and loose with Russell Wilson if it was him. And you know me, I've been the biggest Russell Wilson critic out there. It was his team now. Here's the ball, buddy. You're going to go play fast, free, loose, enjoy it. Have some fun. When you let Russell Wilson play in that up-tempo style and and like in corporate elements of the sandlot and, and playground type of stuff and and run the the no huddle, he's he's so cerebral with the way that he plays in the like th- that's what makes him good is he makes smart decisions in the moment without creating bad turnovers. And I think I agree with you. Like when you put him in the, the heavy structure stuff that that is trying to be a physical downhill running game, it doesn't it doesn't Russell's not bad in that spot. I mean you saw him you know coming out of Wisconsin. He was really good in the play action. But if the running game stinks then you're just asking him to magically create and improvise. And if you're going to – Or if the defense isn't any good. I sure, mean, they, yeah. The defense has been – they were for, – for what, his first four years in the league, they were top-scoring defense in the league. That helps the quarterback. Well, now they're not going to be that. And, and I don't care what they say. They're not going to be that. They You lose Michael Bennett, Cliff Averill, uh, you know, Sherman and, and, and Chancellors. And, you know, the, the, you lose all those guys – you're not going to be the same defense. I don't care how you coach it up. They weren't that. Gotta, they weren't that last year. They were no, I mean, but they're going to be even worse. Yeah, yeah. And so from that standpoint, you have to change who you are. So they've been run the ball, let Wilson make some throws down the field, and play great defense. That's ideally how they wanted to play. Well, they can't play that way anymore. And they can talk all they want about they drafted the running back in the first round. That's why they're going to try and get back to being that. Their line isn't built for that. They don't have the weapons to do it. But more importantly, they don't have the dominant, dominant defense. And when you don't have the dominant defense, you got to lean on your quarterback. This is and look, it's a great situation for him because he's going to be want to want to be one of those 30 million dollar a year guys. So throw him the football. Here you go, Russell. It's your team now. And I think they should do it. Let him play fast, free, loose, up tempo and see if he can handle it and carry that team. I think he's a better quarterback when he plays that way. They need Des Bryant. They really do. I mean, it, yeah. this team, this the, the receiving options of this team are disastrous. I mean, Nick Vanette's a starting tight end, and uh, I mean, like Mar- you know, Tanner McAvoy and Marcus Johnson and Jerron Brown are going to see significant snaps. This is, right. It's just it's not a good situation. And, are they the they worst team? They don't have a. Are they the worst receiver? In divi- no, in that division. Are they the worst team in that division? Hard to say what Arizona will be. And it's hard to say what – people get on me because they keep getting on me because I say Garoppolo has to show us, and he does. He's only got he five games. 
Right. You got to show, you got to show me. I'm not, I don't jump the ship like every, jump the, you know, to the front of the train like everybody else. I got to let it play, play out and let, let the train go through the tunnel first. And then, and you know what? It hadn't gone through for him. It hadn't gone through for Deshaun Watson. We rushed those guys. And, and so I think, is Seattle the worst team? On paper, they are. You know, it depends on the Arizona quarterback situation, too. Is Sam Bradford going to play the entire season, or is Josh Rosen going to step in and play? But Arizona's or is, or is, roster is, or is roster is better than Seattle's. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think Arizona's defense should be better. And when you factor in David Johnson and Larry Fitzgerald, they have better weapons in terms of – now, the, the offensive lines are both big question marks. I would probably give – Maybe Seattle a little bit of an edge, but even though uh, they're like, about the same. Having Dwayne, if DJ Humphreys takes a step this year at left tackle, then it's a different ball. He was game. better last year. I know that's what I'm saying. If he, if he look, if he takes a step, then he's going to look like a pretty good, you know, decent pickup in 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 2015. Keep an eye on Mason Cole, the kid they drafted out of Michigan. I think he's going to end up helping them in the middle of that line somewhere. He can guard. play guard and center, right? Yeah, yeah. He's, and he played tackle at Michigan. So, I, but I think he's guard. He's a guard or center for them. Um, look, their line, I, their line's better than people think in Arizona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you know what? They what they didn't have David Johnson last year, and they didn't have a quarterback because clearly the guys they played Gabbert and and Stanton weren't any good. Um, so yeah, that, I think that when you look at it, they'll be better. It would probably to me everybody's you know, you know the Rams would be the best team. They are. But everybody's rushing the Niners. Uh, you got to slow that one down a little bit. I think Arizona, if, if Sam Bradford's healthy or Rosen plays to the level that we think he can, I think they're a borderline wild card contending team. I mean, yes. they, could, they could finish. And second. Seattle's not unless yeah. they give the ball to Russell Wilson. Then they could be. All right. Well, that's how to fix the Seahawks, courtesy of Pete Prisco. The Saints could also be interested in another veteran player, according to. Adrian Peterson to Josina Anderson of ESPN. He said, when asked if he would be willing to play for the Saints again, quote, of course I would. I'm not tripping over the past. Plus, it would be a different look. When I read that out loud, it sounds like I am saying he's not falling over by stepping on the past. But what it means, of course, is he's not concerned about the past. Um, when I say tripping, it doesn't sound the same, I don't think. Well, he's also, you know, he, look, let's be honest about it. The, they why would they? Why would they bring him back? They don't need well, to bring him back. I wouldn't bring him back. Uh, I would. Uh, and look, you know, you bring that veteran back. He's going to want carries. When even when I don't know, I just I think you got him. You drafted a runner what in the sixth round this year? I think they drafted one in Boston Scott, right? Yeah. What I, I mean, just think about this. In when he was with them last year, he had what do you have? One start, twenty-seven rushes for eighty-one yards. Then he went to Arizona. He had 129 for 448. He he doesn't have any burst anymore. That's 3.5 and three yards of carry. Look, I love the guy. He's one of the. He's a Hall of Famer. He was one of the last of the great long-term backs in this league because I I don't think you're going to see this kind of trend anymore. Um, so he's like a dinosaur in more ways than we know. <laughs> but I, but I, I just think that as great a shape as he is and how many treadmills he gets on and runs a mile and 10 and 11 or whatever he does, he shows off that stuff. He, he can't not have the burst anymore. It's done. It's over with. The, I'm the Saints. I stay away from that. The Saints – the thing the Saints need to realize too is that when they cut Adrian Peterson – and I believe it was, uh, or they traded him. They traded him, actually. Excuse me. They traded him going in out, in their bye week. So their bye week was week four. They were two and two. Um, they managed thirty nine points 
in the first two games, both losses to the Vikings and the Patriots. No, no shame in that. Um, beat the Panthers 34-13 in week three. Stomped out the Dolphins 20-0 uh, on the road to get to 2-2. Two and two. Then they trade Adrian Peterson in their bye week. They come out of the bye week and score 52 points against the Lions. And that was when they started involving Alvin Kamara in the offense and when the offense took off. Having to jam Adrian Peterson into an offense that is led by Drew Brees and is trying to be dynamic in both the run and pass game makes zero sense. And unless the sole purpose is to keep Alvin Kamara from touching the ball. Yeah, but they got Lasco, the kid from Cal that they yeah, drafted right. a couple years ago. And they drafted what well, they did draft the kid in the, in the sixth round, right? Boston, uh, Boston Scott. Scott. Yeah. Great name. yeah, I mean, look, you, you find runners. They're everywhere. Backup runners. It's four games. I'm, I'm not bringing Adrian Peterson. I'm just not doing that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it makes no sense. And, and look, the, Alvin, yeah, like I always say, Will. Games, not names. Okay. Right. I feel like Sean Payton might just be doing some lip service to be nice to Adrian Peterson. Is that possible? No, I don't think he was real happy with Adrian Peterson. No, I'm saying like he said that Adrian Peterson doesn't get traded. He gets cut. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm saying the Saints also said they were like, yeah, you know, we'd consider bringing Adrian Peterson back, but I feel like he's so Sean Payton's just doing that. Oh yeah, to out of respect for for Peterson being a great player. Look, I'd be surprised if he brought. Brought him back. Yeah, it makes no sense to bring him back. So maybe maybe don't go signing a bunch of old people, Saints. Uh, you did. It's on the site right now. You can check it out if you are so inclined. Took Re- me forever, by the way. I'm sure it did. You regraded the 2015 NFL draft. Spent your entire vacation redoing it. What uh, what surprised you about the redraft of the 2015 NFL draft? Or regraded, well, excuse me. I mean, like, uh, I go back and look at some of the things that I thought were going to be good that weren't. So I mock myself in the whole entire thing. I mean, I, I, I give myself credit for the good ones, but I, I give, rip myself for the bad ones. Like, I like the Philip Dorsett move by the Colts. What an idiot I was, huh? Yeah. I didn't love the Todd Gurley move by the Rams. What an idiot I was. But you know, I did love Grady Jarrett, which has always been one of my guys, and he's proved to be a good player. What surprised me a little bit was um, I didn't. I mean, the Vikings draft was outstanding. Uh, I mean, I, I thought it was decent when I did graded it, but it was better than that. I mean, they got four quality starters off of that, that off of that draft. They got you know the first round they took um, uh, the corner Trey, Trey Wayne, who's developed yep. into a solid little player, and they got uh, Eric Hendricks, who just got the mega deal. They got Daniil Hunter, who's going to get a mega deal as a pass rusher. And then they got uh, uh, Stefan Diggs in the later rounds. I mean, they and DJ and Clemmings, who they don't have anymore, started actually the first couple of years. He wasn't good, but he started. So they got a bunch of guys in that draft, and, and that's an A-plus draft, which is why the good teams stay good, is they draft well. Well, and I think the, the Vikings 2015 draft is fascinating from the perspective of, and we talked about this with Anthony Broom on our Vikings podcast, but their window to win – it's not like it's closing because they have a lot of talent on both sides of the ball, but this is the last year where they're definitely going to have, well, I mean, maybe they end up signing Diggs or, or Hunter this off season, but this is the last year where they're going to have the full core of guys that basically the basis for that core of guys is, is that 2015 draft. I mean, that's what sort of launched the Vikings into contenders, being able to get that number one receiver in Diggs, being able to get a pass rusher like Hunter, um, you know, being able to get a, a star linebacker like Kendricks. And then of course, a, a you know, a number two corner in Waynes. I mean, you now it built onto what they'd already done really well. well. And also with Harrison Smith and, of course, and yeah. um, 
you know, uh, what Anthony Barr. I mean, they, they, their drafting has been, they've done a nice job with their drafting and you got to give a lot of credit to, to, to that group, you know, yeah. Mike Zimmer and, uh, and Rick Spielman, they've done a good job building that team. Now it's all on the quarterback. They paid that guy, you know, boatload of money. So he's got to go win it. It's no more of this got a nice team, get to a title and got a nice team, get to the championship game. You got to go win it. You pay that guy that money. Now the Vikings have to go win it all. But yeah, they had a great draft. And then the flip side is the teams that stink usually have bad drafts. And if you look three years out, that's when you can grade a draft. And you look at the Browns. They had 12 picks in that draft, including two first round picks. Only two guys are left on the roster, Nate Orchard and Duke Johnson. And, and they're, you know, not exactly stars. That was a bad draft for the Browns. Um, you know, they blew first round pick. Danny Shelton was a de- solid player, but he wasn't worth where they picked him as it turned out. And he's now in new England, Cam Irving, the, the offensive lineman, no longer with him now in Kansas city. You can't blow two first round picks like that. So they get an F the Colts F Philip Dorsett. Then they, what Dewan Smith, the corner was a disaster that they picked. It was a bad draft for them. They didn't get much out of that. And then the bills, that was a year they, they didn't have a first round pick because they had traded up the year before for Sammy Watkins when they could have stayed put and taken Odell Beckham and kept their first round pick. And then they also only have one starter and he got benched last year, John Miller, their offensive guard. So, it, you know, Darby's no longer with the team, their second round pick. They, they didn't have a good draft either. When, when you look at these teams and, you, you know, Bill's made the playoffs last year. How the hell? I don't know. I, I have no idea how they made the playoffs. That team was not, you look at that roster. There's no way they should have been a playoff team last year. Um, because they're not a good football team right now. Yeah, and it, you won't you won't be surprised to find out that uh, all three of the regimes running those uh, respective drafts for the Browns, uh, Bills, and, and and Colts have all been fired since then. What a surprise if you you lay an egg like that in the draft. All right, let's talk some NFC South teams. So this is this is going to be we're doing a team by team thing. Fortunately, Pete, you know everything about every team, so we'll just talk to you about the Falcons and and the Buccaneers in lieu of going out and getting people to come in because this Panthers sale thing has kind of pushed off our schedule uh, as well as the, the SCOTUS gambling news. But you, you know everything about everybody, as everyone knows. What do you think, first and foremost, about what the Falcons have done this offseason? And are you willing to double down on Steve Sarkeesian being good in 2018? I am. Because you know what? The guy who was there last before him wasn't very good his first year in Atlanta either, and people forget that yep. Kyle Shanahan had struggled correct. his first year. He and Matt Ryan had a had a re- relationship that wasn't very good, uh, and he struggled. And the next year they kind of uh, mended their ways until the final part of the season, and they kind of fractured again. But uh, yeah, so I do think Sarkeesian can fix things. It, look, it was a learning experience for him. Matt Ryan likes him. That's a good thing. So I do think that they'll be better on offense. I like the Ridley pick. I mean, you know, you, you add a nice weapon to their offense. Uh, that's a good thing. Uh, so, yeah. Do I like the Falcons, what they've done? I do. I, I think they're going to be better offensively than they were a year ago. I still have concerns about their offensive line, though. I mean, like, you know, the right guard position is is in flux. That's a concern to me. Uh, defensively, though, man, they got a lot of talent on defense. And, and I think Tack McKinley is going to be one of those breakout players this year. You know, you talk about Vic Beasley being the pass rusher there. I think by the end of this season, Tack McKinley is going to be their pass rusher, their dominant mm. pass rusher. He's sitting out there in a dynasty league. I might have to go snag him in this draft. I would draft. I would draft him if I were you. Somebody, I'm telling think- you, pop on his tape at the end of the year last year. You saw it. It started. It started all working out for him. So you- yeah. They're going to be good again. And, you know, everybody says, well, they paid Matt Ryan. They had to pay Matt Ryan. 
The, you have any, to. Any, I, I ran it on this on a few weeks ago. Anybody complaining about Matt Ryan's contract is a moron who doesn't understand how the NFL works. Matt Ryan's a 33-year-old franchise quarterback, two years removed from an MVP season and leading like a top – 15 all-time NFL offense within, you know, a quarter of bad play calling to the franchise's first Super Bowl. You pay him, you don't think twice about it. And by the way, to your point about the the Falcons, they finished second in the NFC in 2015, but only went 8 and 8. They started out really hot and they were 6 and they were 6 and 1 actually and been playing really well in Dan Quinn's first year and just cratered down the stretch. They ended up finishing to, I mean Again, people forget this, and I, you, you're right. You're 100% right, and I, I, I mentioned it as well. They finished 21st in scoring in Kyle Shanahan's first year with Matt Ryan, and you talked about this before when we were doing this podcast in a different form, but Matt Ryan wasn't really comfortable in his first season when he was switching over to Kyle Shanahan, and he finally got comfortable in that second season and exploded, and he clearly wasn't comfortable in his first season with Steve Sarkeesian, so it's not fair to it, – it, it's not crazy to suggest that he might have a big year next year if he is indeed comfortable and Sarkeesian sort of finds his footing as an offensive play caller. He had big shoes to fill uh, in, in 2017 for sure. Yeah, and, and again, you know, Matt Ryan was comfortable with Dirk Cutter. Uh, you know, wasn't yeah. as comfortable with Mike Malarkey. This is this is Matt Ryan's it's a pattern, it's, by the way. Yeah. It was Mike Malarkey, wasn't so comfortable. Dirk Cutter, very comfortable. Wasn't so comfortable with Kyle Shanahan. And and and, and then they kind of worked it out the Super Bowl year. Even at the end, the thing started going fracturing again at the end. And then now very comfortable with Steve Sarkeesian. And if I'm not mistaken, with Cutter, I think he had a struggle a little bit in the first year and then had a better second year too. He so had I, it was he was he was um I don't, I'm I'm just looking at the points for Cutter's first year they were seventh in the league in points for but then fell to twentieth the second year maybe not yeah maybe but but then like. but then he, they jumped back up to twelfth I mean so, yeah but I mean the, the point being I mean let's not sleep on the fact that in the past eight years or seven years whatever it is Matt Ryan's had four offensive coordinators that's a lot of changeover even for a veteran I mean veteran quarterbacks in the NFL don't deal with that much change typically speaking yeah and there wasn't a lot of change in this this in terms of what they were calling you know in talking to Sarkeesian before last season he was talking about they might change some of their um, runs you know and change the runs and but there wasn't a lot of change in the offense it's just a matter of him getting comfortable with with the play calling and as a play caller, I, I think they'll be better this year. I really do. I might take a little deep dive into this situation and see how Matt Ryan performs in those in those first and second years. Are you worried about the defensive line at all? I mean, I know you mentioned Tack McKinley as a, the next great pass rusher, and he and Vic Beasley could be a, a filthy combination. Does it does it concern you at all the departure of Don Terry Poe? And I know they have Grady Jarrett, but well, they drafted that kid Sonat out of uh, out of Florida, who's a, I mean, out of uh, South Florida, who's a a fire plug. You're going to stick him right in there and play in the run game against the Grady Jarrett. Uh, they got bodies in there. You know, Jack Crawford, Shelby. Yeah. Um, I mean, they got guys. They're not. They're not going to be. That's not going to be a problem up front. I mean, okay, so- not, they lose a big run stuffer in Poe, but Sonat can fill in and play that role if he's you know gets right in there. But I, I think the keys for their team this year will be the emergence of Tack McKinley. I think when you can have two guys who can rush the passer the way McKinley and Beasley will be able to do. And I'm going to put this out there right now. McKinley will have a better year than Vic Beasley, okay? I like uh, that's, it. Uh, and that's that's my prediction. So, By the way, this Falcons defense will in all likelihood be starting four first-round picks 
since and if you can't Desmond Trufant in 2013. Of course, Keanu. I mean, three of the three first round picks, Tack McKinley. Oh no, yeah, three first round picks, Tack well, McKinley, Tack Beasley, McKinley, and uh, Keanu Beasley. and Keanu Neal. Yeah, from the has Dan Quinn been there since 2013? Man, time flies. Um, and Trufant was a first round pick too. No, excuse me, since 2016. Yeah, Trufant was 13. Yeah. He didn't draft Trufant. Right, I'm, no. I'm losing my mind. No, um, but you also got Campbell, Campbell and uh, draft picks. Deion Jones, Campbell were his. Grady Jarrett was his. Um, yep. So, the, you know, they hit on Poole, who plays the nickel corner. Yep. There's a ch- I mean, like, there's a decent chance that – and I get that we were all focused on the, the Falcons' offense. There's a decent chance that the Falcons' defense – explodes into the elite category into the top five in the league um, based on what we've seen from them, right? If they can Sonata or one of those guys can step in and play the run the way they did last year when Poe played it because he was clearly playing for his contract and he played very well for them, um, then yes, they can be. A, a, but I, again, I think on third down in passing situations, they're going to be a better defense than they've been. They, they, when the emergence of Tack McKinley will make them a better defense than, than they've been. One team that loaded up on the defensive line, the Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Oh, wait, wait, sorry. Before we get to the Buccaneers, I got to ask you about the Atlanta Falcons. Would you take the over or under at nine wins for the Atlanta Falcons? Well, it's a brutal division. It is. I mean, that's, so you got you to remember in that division – you, you're going to probably split or four and two is your best, right? Four yep. and two probably would be your best. So then you got to look outside the schedule. What, what are they not – read the rest of their schedule. Well, this is a weird – man, this is a weird schedule. So – I they got Phil – don't they play Phil? I know they, they, they play open Phil. Up, they open up Philly with that, you know, in the in the championship defense. That's I mean, you tend to chalk that up as a loss with the way that those home teams have played. What's really tough – what's really weird about this, Pete, is so their bye is week eight. They only have two away games – before their week eight by week one at Philly and then week five at Pittsburgh. So they open up week one at Philly, then get the Panthers, Saints, and Bengals at home in back to back, back to back to back to back weeks. Then they're at Pittsburgh and then they get the Buccaneers and Giants at home. I mean, they should be, they should be five, five and five, five, should be five and two out of that. At yeah. Worst case scenario. And then even then out of their bye, they're at Washington. So that's, it's not a home game, but that's a, that's a, Cakewalk. Winnable, winnable tra- easy travel game. Yeah, and then they're at the Browns in the back-to-back That's road right. game. They should win that. Cowboys at home. Win that. And then on a short week, they're at the Saints in New Orleans. That's tough. On, on They'll th- lose that. On Sunday. Is that right? Sunday. That's going to be – oh, that's the Thanksgiving game in New Orleans. Yeah. So you give them that, that, that loss. Then they get the Ravens at home. Um, win. Yep. At they're Green. over. They're over. You think so? Just yeah. The schedule. The schedule. Five and two, six, seven, eight. Yeah, you're right. And then they're over. And then they close. I mean, their their final four games are at Green Bay, so that's probably a loss. The Cardinals at home, they can win, win. that. At the Panthers and at the Buccaneers. Yeah. So look, I think they're going over the nine. That's a playoff team. If that yeah. de- if that defense is good, this is a 13 win team. Yep. Wow. All right. I'm so I'm so that's a that's a crazy. Uh, it is. The schedule is very favorable to them. I mean, even they, though they got tough games in there. Because they on the road, they got at Philly, at Pittsburgh, at Green Bay outside the division. That's yeah, tough. That's tough. Now, now look, it, all bets are off if if they come out slow and they lose to the Panthers. If they start zero and three, you know they can right. still be four and three going into right. the bye. But you have to those two games against the Panthers and the Saints early on. Uh, hey, will be, will they could have beat the Eagles in the championship game in the playoff game. They should have. Yeah, they should have. If your boy Matt Ryan makes one throw to Julio Jones, no, no, play calling in that scenario was atrocious. And then Keanu Neal having a yeah. receiver doink. Uh, 
interception doink off his face mask. Didn't they were reeling? This the, the Nick Foles story was dead. Keanu Neal picks that ball off. Oh yeah, people. That's right. People were burying the uh, were burying them. All right, let's talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who, as I mentioned, really loaded up on the defensive line. If you're going to praise a GM for going after a weakness, I think you have to praise Jason Light for what he did this offseason. He trades for Jason Pierre-Paul, adds him to a pat, and then then signs Vinnie Curry in free agency. So now you have uh, Vinnie Curry, Jason Pierre-Paul. Don't forget about Bo no, Allen either. Noah Spence. And he, yeah, that's right. He signs Bo Allen and, and William Golston. Uh, well, Bo Allen's in the middle, but they also added Vita Via via the draft. That's a, I mean, that's attacking a major weakness that, that doomed your team last year and loading it up with talent. I mean, it's, it's hard not to like that front seven for Tampa Bay, right? Well, the best news for them is that Chris Baker's gone. <laughs> no, I mean that seriously. He was a problem in there in the and locker room, caused major problems in that building, mm-hmm. and he was a bad influence on a lot of players. He, he, they, him and T.J. Ward both. Um, so yeah, I, I think getting rid of both those guys is a good thing, and they were not what they thought they would be. They made mistakes on them and they admitted it and, and they, they now they got better on defense. I mean, Jason Pierre, Paul and Vinnie Curry and Noah Spence is a nice three man yeah. outside rush. And then Goldson can play the run. Then you got, you know, they, one, one thing about Mike Smith's defense, he always wanted to get bigger. I mean, most of those guys he inherited there were from that Tampa two style of scheme and they weren't big. Well, they got bigger because they is a big kid in the middle. And Bo Allen's a good player to back up and, and was a rotation player. Played a ton of plays in the Super Bowl. Remember, Timmy Jernigan got hurt. He played a ton of plays in the Super Bowl. I always, he was one of my underrated guys. So they got better up front. But they also got better on the back end. In, in, in the last four or five games of the season, Justin Evans played very well for them. Okay? Then you go uh, get the corners. You get Carlton Davis. You get MJ Stewart. You also got um, Grimes, who was you know still can play at a high level. Sure. People forget that. This is a major, major Major year for Vernon Hargraves. Wow. Again, a guy who's got to show up and play and and quit the crap outside of his stuff. You know, I mean, he's got to go play. And, and I think um, their secondary will be better because of those guys. They, and the linebackers were very good. The linebackers are good. I mean, Levante David um, and Quan Alexander and Kendall Beckwith is a nice one, two, three group. They're going to be better on defense. I tend to agree. Now, the offense is going to be a – a question mark too, but what what I find interesting about what this offense did is that if you go back and, and, and nobody talks about this because the Buccaneers were out of the playoff race and were a terrible team, but if you go back and look at what Jameis Winston did in the final five games of the season, he was really good when he came back from injury. He averaged 317 yards per game passing. 99.2 quarterback rating, completed 67.2% of his passes, averaged 8.7 yards per attempt, and threw nine touchdowns to five interceptions. Now, the, the pit, he's just going to throw picks. That's what he does. Um, and had a- but, 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 I want you to do something for me. Look up, if I'm not mistaken, he threw 60 passes with the lead last year. That's a very low number. I look at that. Look, check that up there. Look, you go to NFL.com and check the situational stats. I don't have my computer in front of me, but I think it was 60 with the lead and 60 when tied. And I think 300 and something more other ones when he was trailing. Let me tell I mean, it's just amazing. They were behind all the time. Their defense was that bad. Can I just find those stats on the – Yeah, go to situational stats. NFL, go to his bio on NFL.com and go to situational stats or, or game or, or the one next to it. There's a situational stat. Not, 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 not that it should be surprising because you're a sports writer, but I like how you're a secret stat head, Pete. Oh, I, I love stats. 
I know, but I mean, like you, you like that you dig into the when they send out the weekly release, you dig deep into the yeah, third down conversion. Always, yeah, yeah, yeah. To the uh, let's see, when he was ahead, yeah, thirty-five of sixty. We hit, and look he, at this: four touchdowns and no interceptions, right? Uh, two touchdowns, no interceptions when went ahead. He had three hundred and eighteen passing attempts while trailing, and and sixty or so when tied, right? 60, 60, uh, 64 when tied. Interesting. Yeah. So that means that, I mean, and go look at like a good team that plays good defense and look at how their, their numbers are skewed differently. Like Russell Wilson. Uh, well, his defense wasn't very good last year either. I know. I'm just kidding. Uh, but I could, we could look at his situational stats for, for 20, for 2013 and see how many, <laughs> I bet those numbers are interesting. I mean, it's just amazing when you're, when you're playing from behind, you're going to turn the ball over. Now, there are people in Tampa, the coaching staff have hammered into him. Look, bottom line is you gotta quit being a hero. Right. If it's not there, you gotta give you know, throw it away. Can't take you know you can't throw an interception. You gotta throw it away. Like who was a, who's a good defense that you want to look at for this? Well, I mean, look, look at Russell Wilson at thirteen. It was it was obscene. It was like it was basically flipped. All right, let's look at um, let's look at Blake Bortles. How about Blake Bortles because he has a good defense. Situational stats from twenty seventeen for Blake Bortles. Oh my God! Well, two twenty-one from behind, two forty-nine while ahead. That's a lot of attempts. right, but I mean, right? Like, but but it's but right. 60? 60, 60 <laughs> right. is sixty is an obscene number when playing um, when playing from ahead. In other words, Jameis Winston was never ahead because his team's defense was terrible. I I I feel like this might be a post hype breakout year for Jameis Winston. Is that possible? Um, yeah, I think he's going to have a good year. Yeah, well, let's say another good, really good defense from a year ago. Let's think for a second. Um, Minnesota. There you go. We'll look at Case Keenum. Minnesota, because they played, they have a really, you know, like the Jaguars, they have a really, really good, talented defense. I don't spend enough time on these situational stats. I'm going to. Oh. I love the situational stats. Yeah, 246 passing attempts while ahead for Case yeah. Keenum. Yeah. I mean, put, 60. It, yeah. think, 60 is incredible. Yeah. And, and I used that number on one of our shows over here, and I was like, oh, my God, I, I couldn't believe it myself when I looked at it. Right. Yeah, like, for instance, Case Keenum threw 52 passes, attempted 52 passes with his team trailing between 9 and 16 points. <laughs> I mean, like, he wasn't – they weren't trailing a lot, you know? And, and yeah, well, and how many, did, how many did Winston throw trailing between 9 and 16 points? 100? Uh, I'll tell you in a second. Hold on. This is great. I mean, it's just this amazing, is great podcasting. Amazing, but yeah. They're amazing numbers. They really are. I, when I looked at it, I went, okay, everybody, you want to know why a guy throws interceptions? Here's why. It's what, I, it's what I've said on this podcast and other places before. I've asked many a quarterback, star quarterback, would you rather have the great defense or the great wide receiver? And every single one of them said they'd rather have the great defense. Yeah, because you can make do with decent wide receivers if you're right. winning because your defense is good. And the other thing, too, is that, it, like you said, it's a bad combination. A guy like Jameis Winston who does like to play hero ball, who isn't afraid to force the ball into tight windows, who isn't afraid to make dumb mistakes when it comes to pushing the ball down the field – and you add that in with a bad defense and him having to come back, that's it. that is a nightmare situation. What is his numbers trailing between 9 and 16? Because I bet they're they're bad. I bet that's when most of his interceptions come. Uh, four, well, no. It's 5 and 3. 5 touchdowns, 3 interceptions. 7, trailing between 1 and 8 points, 7 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. And, yeah, I mean, you can just... How many passes did he throw between 9 and 16? Uh, 92. <laughs> yes, he almost 100. Like, yeah, yeah it's, it's just... Yeah. I mean, like the bottom line is their defense was bad. He pressed. I think having Ronald Jones, they didn't have a great running game last year either. Having yep. Ronald Jones in there this year, uh, getting Ryan Jensen as a free agent, being able to move Marpet over the guard will help their run game. 
uh, in a lot of ways, and that'll help. Hey, look, look at their weapons. I mean, Mike Evans, Deshaun Jackson, O.J. Howard, who I think is going to be a, a star at tight end, Cameron Brait, uh, Chris Godwin, who came on last year at the end of last year. They have weapons. This team, and you know what? They're in a must-win situation. Those coaches are all in the final year of their deal, or, or most of them, the assistants are. And Jason Light's in the final year of his deal. They didn't get any contract extensions. So you know what? You better win or you're all out. The clean house. They don't win this year. They're out. Uh, with, with that in mind, over under six and a half games. They're they're an over. That's, that, so that's going to be that could be a sneaky playoff team this year. I'm 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 with you on that. I wrote I wrote that. The story. question is is which team in the AFC South isn't? You might get three in, but who isn't? It's the Panthers and the NFC South. I mean, I think it's the Panthers. Yeah, it might be. It might be. Or maybe maybe you can't get four in. Um, brutal. Uh, the Buccaneers open at the Saints, then get the Eagles and the Steelers at home in weeks two and three, then go at the Bears before their week five bye, at the Falcons coming out of the bye, get the Browns at home, then they're at the Bengals and at the Panthers after that. So that is a – it wouldn't be surprising at all. I mean, I think maybe you give them one of the Eagles or Steelers as a surprise win at home. That um, that Steelers game is Monday Night Football, and the Steelers are known to lay an egg. Uh, but that's a tough stretch. Fortunately for them, they close with the Redskins at the Giants and then get three home games against the 49ers, Panthers, and Saints. I feel like those five games, they need to figure out a way to go four and one in if they want to hit that over and be competitive in, in the in the in the wild. Well, they got to get off the good. They got to win. They got to. They, they need to go. They need Saints? to. They need to go two and two in the first four games somehow. They open at the Saints. At the Saints, then Eagles and Steelers at home. <laughs> Boy, they got to win. They got to win one of those at least. Yes, they do. Yeah, they have to win one of those, then beat they the Bears. Win. I mean, they could beat the Eagles and sure. the Steelers yeah. at home. They could be one of those, and then beat the Bears in Chicago. They need to go two and two to start. All right, we need to go because we have spent uh, too much time. But Pete, this is always this is fun. Glad you're back from vacation. Glad we could do some more podcasting at Prisco CBS. Follow, rate, review. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you guys later. Peace, Pete. See you guys. <laughs>